Man, it's crazy that I, I sit and think of the um, talent that's come out of here. It's just bizarre, man. Taj Mahal. Like it's... Fantastic Negrito. Ah, man, I'm not there yet. I'm, not, I'm still carrying, I'm carrying the bags for people still. You know, it's, 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 it's great. You know, seriously, you're one of my favorite artists that have come out in the last 10 years. I mean, like it, I just, oh. I, I, I just, you know, cause again, we're, we're all in the same genre, you know, we're, we're, you know, blues based. I like to say blues based because it's not, not traditional blues as they, as they like to categorize it, but it, it's to do something different with it after a hundred, literally after a hundred years and yeah. you've done it, you've really done that. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm inspired. I think I've done what I've done out of inspiration. And I tell you, there was a time when I didn't feel inspired by music. And it, this is a, something that really happened. Really happened. I sold everything I had. Every, could you imagine that? I sold every piece of instrument I have, settled down, got a farm, became a marijuana farmer, started right. having kids, and I thought I'd never play again. Right. So I, Inspiration is the key to me. I mean, I just think it's something that is so um, I, I underappreciated. I don't know if that's, we really need inspiration. That's how everything happens. Hey, that's how you and I were born. You know, our parents got inspired. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you know, I had a bad experience on a label. Um, I was in a band in the 90s as a, as a kid, as a teenager. And then I, I decided to turn solo. And then like, like all again my story is no different than about a million other people like the label folded literally two days before I was supposed to go make a record and for the next eight months maybe close to a year I literally just my dad had a guitar shop so I had an easy outlet for my gear and I just sold everything but one guitar oh, and, wow. and, I didn't, and I didn't play and I was just like because I was like why and it was just it just came up that I was like for what's the reason to do it? And, 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 and then finally one, one day I just said, you know what? I just picked it up and I was like, it was back. And I, it was just this moment. What was that moment for you when you decided like, okay, I'm, 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 I'm going to get back into this. Man, I'm really surprised to hear that. Like someone who I consider a master. That oh, no. Not actually, me. I mean, I, I'm just saying, you know, and um, wow. You actually put it down. Too. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. Well, you know what we have in common right there? Because <laughs> I was signed in the 90s. This business will kill your spirit, man. It does. The business. Yeah. The business side of it will can decapitate you, can drain your spirit, man, drain your soul and kill that um, inspiration. So I'm glad that we both have that in common and that we both overcame it. And we got to a point where we could be contributors. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that's the thing. It's like, it's like when I was signed to a major label, everybody had an opinion and looking back now, 25 years later, most of the people, I would say 99% of the people who were, who were voicing their opinions about this is what you need to do to be successful are either selling real estate or working <laughs> at some sort of like, you know, bed, bath and beyond kiosk, you know, and you're like, you're like, these are not the experts. We're the experts. We have to tell them what, what we need to do. And then it's their job to market it. You know, it should be that simple, but it's not. It's not that simple because, you know, this idea, I think it has something to do with, to do with the culture that's evolved too. I mean, we've gotten to a place where it's like, if we have one thing that sells and if right. this sells, we got people in business suits that say, give me 10 of these. That's all that I want. Why? Because it's sold, man. If you think of some of the um, great artists, man, they took a long time to, to, to make it, so to speak. You know what I mean? Right. Some of the, great, the greats out there. So, um, you know, record companies back in the 70s were into development. Take your time, be original. Right. Do something different. You know, what's the next thing where I think that the, the, the terrible thing about the internet and the now culture and, you know, we have this, um, these, these iPhones that you can get everything now. Okay, I want to, you know, I want to do this. There's 10 of these. I'm going to rap just like this. I want the same beat. I'm going to have the same because yep. I can look online and that's how you're supposed to do it. 
when we were growing up, you were sitting there like imagining like, how could I do this? You know, how could I do something different? And I think um, that is a huge missing component here in, in the modern era, which left room for an old man like me, you know? <laughs> and for that, I'm a little bit grateful. I'm like, okay, I'm doing something yeah. different and um, there's room for it. And to answer your question, what was that moment for me was, uh, the moment was, like I said, I sold everything. I'm growing lots of marijuana. I'm a happy guy. Um, I was investing like in a little art gallery. So I, was, I had my little creative outlet was, yeah. I'd play a little bit, you know, during the art gallery sometimes with no idea of ever to be an artist again. And I had a little baby boy who's now a big boy. You know, he, mm -hmm. he, uh, he was in his crib and he's like pulled himself up. One day we were alone and there was one funky old guitar, acoustic guitar made in Thailand right. that, that I couldn't sell. So I just kept it under the bed, never played it. And he was just having a rough time that day. I remember it was a beautiful sunny day in Oakland and I was left alone with, with my son, which is a little bit scary when you're a first time dad. I know, are you a dad? I'm not a dad. This is why I have all this stuff around me. Ah, so well. <laughs> I have discretionary income. <laughs> yeah, well, man, when I'm uh, when I had this little baby for the first time alone, I was a little freaked out. But he was like nine months old. Was really sad. He kept crying, like, oh, I'm not happy. I didn't know what to do. I tried like all the daddy faces. Nothing worked. Right. I caught that old funky acoustic guitar, and I looked down, picked it up. I remember I strummed the out of tune beat. G major, mm -hmm. G major, and that changed the room. The room looked different. His face exploded into the biggest smile that I'd ever seen, the most sincere smile. And it stopped me. I felt the chills go down my spine. I'm like, what is happening here? And I think he was just telling me something without talking. He was saying, hey, there's a language and right. it's older than any traditional language or any conventional language, it's called sound. It's right. called music. And it is a gift and maybe it's something you should be doing. It took me a little time. I didn't get right back into it, but every day I'd like to start playing little things for him and it took a couple of years. And then I was like, hey, maybe I'll go on the streets and play. Cause you know, when I wanted to do it, I remember people saying, you're too old. This music fits into no genre, nobody, is gonna book you nothing. So I just said, well, you know what? Why don't I just play on the streets? It's fun. And right. I'm not, I don't wanna be famous or anything. I just wanna play on the streets. Right. And that's how I got back into this, man. I was playing on the streets, connecting with people, man. It was like therapy for me. Every yeah. day I was on the train and I had a message and I was giving it to these people getting off work in San Francisco, right. in Oakland. And yeah. that connection, that spiritual connection, that inspiration got me back to playing music. You know, it's, it's, it's so funny because, you know, with all the divisiveness in the world, I, I always say like politicians should look to musicians for, the, for what binds people together. Music is binary. I've played the Battle of John Henry in front of people in Moscow, Mumbai, India, Japan, Australia, Thailand, South America, you name it, we've played that song. Right. And all sing the words back to you. And you're like, it's 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 it it transcends everything because it, it, it is a binary thing. It's like it's like people feel it. They don't know what they feel. They just feel good, and and it's so it it's so amazing the power of music when when harnessed. You know, absolutely. And that's um that's what that little kid showed me. You know, bless his heart. You know, <laughs> he uh he taught me. You know, I thought I was teaching the kid. The kid's teaching me, and um. 100% agree with you, man. When you go to play places, I mean, um, it doesn't matter if people are, you know, gay, straight, trans, black, white, Jew, Muslim, Hindu, it don't matter. You know that. Yeah. When you're connecting with them, they can all agree on one thing, that this this force is um, is moving them. What was Moscow like? I just got an invitation to Moscow this morning. I'm like, oh man, is that is that, should I go or what? I, I see, I would go. And, you know, some of the greatest crowds I've ever played for have been in Moscow, um, you know, Russia, St. Petersburg. We've only been to two cities there. And um, in like the Eastern Bloc, like in Poland, 
you know, oh, Bella, there. that was oh, that was amazing. They were some of the best crowds. You know, Belarus and you know Lithuania, and and the thing about it is like they're so they're so appreciative that you show up. Yeah, and. And to me, it's like, you know, like we've played gigs in Israel. We've played gigs, you know, everywhere. And, and like, sometimes like you'll post I'm like, Hey, welcome to Tel Aviv. And then like people troll you and like, how dare you do? I'm like, this is, this is not why I'm here. I'm here to entertain folks that enjoy music. Right. It, it, it's, it, it, it's, it's one world, not a country. It's, it's whatever the policy of that country. I, I don't really want to even get involved there. It's like I'm there for the fans who who really don't have any stake in the game and and just want to go hear music. And I'm happy to do it. You know, well, we're very fortunate to and I'm sure you must feel the same way. Just this job that we have playing music for people. I mean, it's um, how fortunate and blessed are we, man? Really? You know, it's it's amazing. It's amazing. amazing. Every day. Right. It's every day. Another amazing day. Yeah. You know, and so how do you how do you walk the line? You know, because, you know, I read about, you know, your experiences on Interscope Records and you 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 put out a record under the under the name Xavier. Yes. And, and I know you're obviously Prince is one of the greatest of all times and, you know, everybody's favorite. And, you know, how do you walk the line now, given your experiences in the 90s and the early 2000s, like with balancing commerce and obviously you got to keep the lights on and pay your people and 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 you know make more music how do you balance that line between creativity and commerce at this point i think i'm wreck this is what i believe john i'm going to be 100 percent honest with you as i'm sitting here talking to you brother i think that i don't give a fuck i you know what i mean i'm saying that right. as correctly as i can i think that they stole this thing from me once i was a kid I wanted to get signed and I thought it was this big dream and going to LA and I got signed and I got a million dollars and everybody loves me right. until I made a record that they didn't like. Then everybody right. hated me. And that pretty much as a young person wrecked me. Right. And it took me years, man. I didn't have a good relationship with music for, man, 10, 15 years after that. And one great thing about doing this as a, as, as a middle-aged guy you know, as a 53-year-old dude, the greatest thing is not, I don't care. I know that if I did A, B, and C, because I have people in my ears that, hey, this is how you package it. This is how you do it. Right. I know that I could probably make some more money doing things a little bit differently. And man, you got to do covers and you got to do all this stuff. But I'm just like, you know what? I found that magic again. I found that 17-year-old kid. Yeah, you don't want to lose it. I don't want to lose it. So he's not for sale. So I don't balance. I say, this is what I'm making. Right. And it's going to do what it's going to do. And I, that's what I love about um, the Negrito journey is that I just went to the streets. Literally, the people decided. My first record, The Last Days of Oakland, I didn't have a label. I just, hey, let's put this record out. And I made right. a record. Oh, it's cool. So I don't, um, I don't feel any of that, man. I, don't, I just don't get involved in it. People, man, if you just do this and this, I just, I love what I'm doing right now. And I don't care about commerce. Maybe yeah. I will. Maybe I will at some point, but I don't care. And I think maybe I don't think about any of this stuff, man. I don't, I live in Oakland. It's a small town. I live on a farm, man. I'm boring. Right. I'm so boring. If you hung out with me, you'd be disappointed. You'd be like, dude, <laughs> uh, you know, I love uh, community. Mm -hmm. I, I love, um, I have like a market, you know, storefront records. It's like my little label and it's just, I just love this existence, man, where it's not, a, it's not a ton of money. And I know there's, my friends are out there making a lot of money, but man, I'm peaceful, man. And I'm content. And, and, and the beauty is, here's the beauty. When I was that kid, I was like young, beautiful, good looking. I wanted fame. I wanted the best car. I wanted the best women. The best. I imagined this dude like the star. But when I did it as Fantastic Negrito, then when you're walking out into the, um, you know, Colonial Donuts at two in the morning, you don't want anything. And it's, there's a beauty in not wanting something. It, it frees right. you. And so I, I, don't, I don't balance it. I'm, you know, maybe, you know, I'm not wealthy. I'm not, you know, I don't balance it very well. I just, 
make the records I want to make and the hell with it. Hey, well, you know, that, that's the thing. It's like, you know, everybody looks through everybody to, you know, into everybody else's life thinking it's better than it is. That's why reality shows do so well. You know, yeah. you watch one episode of the keep it, keeping up with the Kardashians. Like, Hey, I want that. I want that driveway that, 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 that cement pour, you know, costs a fortune, but it's great. But you know, the thing is, is people are just, if you're happy with who you are, it's such a, it's such a liberating experience because you don't have, you don't have to deal with what everybody expects, what they wow. want. That's why, that's why my manager and I have been together 30 years. We are totally independent. Wow. I don't have it. You know, I don't have a booking agent. We, we do it all ourselves. I love that. Cause, cause frankly, nobody helped us to begin with. We, everything we've done has been, been organic and self-perpetuating and, and betting on ourselves. And just, I make, I make, long-winded self-indulgent blues rock records and i'm like all right i'm good people like it somebody likes this shit i don't know no, you know I mean, me, man i mean you know you're one of the best in the world brother and you know that so i think you speak that and we're talking about the language you're speaking the language yeah speak the language bypass all those people that are hip and cool and whatever man who cares hey like i said when i was doing this everybody told me no they said there's a path you got to go this path and right. I just I just got a manager this year. Then I'd be like, let me see what it's like to have a manager. Just right. got and I like him by the way. I've been with him about four months or whatever. And I'm like, so far, so good. But I hear you on that, man. I mean, my first booking engagements were the sidewalk. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's great. And, it, and it's to me, it's like I, I go back 20 years, 25 years. And I remember some of my greatest gigs were simply in front of 10 people who gave a shit. Right. You know, it's, it's not the, it wasn't the all-star things. It wasn't those adventures we had at the rock and roll hall of fame where it's like, you know, all the bluster in the, in the, you know, they, they were fun, you know, but I still go back to Des Moines, Iowa with like, you know, three tables of three, you know, and grossing $90 at the door going, I can't pay the band tonight, but I don't care. Cause this is the most I'll play for three hours because yeah. they just enjoyed it. You know, they enjoyed it for the most purest sense of, 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 of the word, you know? And that's what this is, man, this world, we have to, uh, the simple things, man, if we can, you know, I lost my hand, you know, that's my, that's what my plan is. I lost it in, you know, when I was in a coma, I can't move. I can't do anything, but you know what? It, is the greatest teacher is to have this hand. Every time I pick up or try to pick up an instrument, man, it's, um, I'm actually really grateful for it. You know what I mean? Right. I'm very grateful for it because it is a reminder of what's important. Right. You know, the sim breathing is important. Hey, can you call a friend up? Can you call a friend up? Yeah. You're rich. You're rich. If you can get somebody on the phone that, that, that likes you and will listen to you. Yeah. I mean, these are the things that matter. And I think like coming full circle and, and, and being on the experience trip that I'm on now, I wouldn't trade it for nothing. I'm so happy to hear that, man, your thing is that grassroots. I had no idea. Yeah, it was, it was never, you know, I mean, um, I, I owe a lot of my success to uh, obviously our, our sheer attrition, um, but we, we, made a, we made a DVD basically for <laughs> at the time was for ourselves i was lucky enough to play the royal Albert hall in, in in the uk and i i invited eric clapton to come and he did and we filmed it and we spent every dollar we had on this dvd and and it came out and was okay and it was selling a little bit but it wasn't setting the world on fire and we're yeah. like all right we're gonna go broke slowly and that'll be that'll be the end of me good at least i could give my parents the the, the photo right and, um, and they got to meet Eric Clapton, which was good enough for them. And uh, then PBS picked it up and they ran wow. it as a, as a pledge drive, public television, you know, so I'm on there with, you know, Nova, um, Antiques Roadshow, uh, a, a, a Reading Rainbow, which we all learned how to read, you know, LeVar Burton was national treasure, like you used to watch Sesame Street and tonight the blue stylings of Joe Bonamassa at eight o'clock. Next thing you know, just because people saw this kid get his big break, it was like this whole thing. And that's, that's. Well, the, I didn't know that. 
yeah that was our that was our that was our that was the that was the the rocket engine on the on the on the on the capsule you know take me take me back there like what what did that feel like from because you told me like well you were gonna you you felt like you were gonna go broke and then the next minute this thing happens what, what was that like well you could probably relate to this because you never know when you make it there's no there's no on and there's no off it's just kind of happens you know there's no brackish waters in it it's right. like it's like you're like it's either i'm cold as ice and now i'm selling out the theaters you know you're like right. how did this happen and this is 6 weeks you know and you know it was just it it was just again it's the it's the it's the culmination of the work and the intent and i always believe it in the intent it's like it's what i saw in you it's like it is is when I see your tweets or whatever, every day you 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 try to put out a positive message for people, and it's so rare in this world, and it's so rare to just go and listen. I'm grateful. I was almost killed in a car wreck. I was spent three weeks in a coma. I've survived the music business, which is <laughs> arguably almost as tough. Yeah. And yeah. and and here I am, a Grammy award winning blues artist you know it arguably you know when if you if you put all that together for the suits in a record company be like there's not a chance that this fantastic negrito thing is ever going to scale and do anything other than than sell 10 copies in oakland oh exactly yeah and i heard that you know you never listen to those people ever i mean those are the never. people i call it the repressed fantasy they have repressed fantasies about how you should fit into what they do because they don't look at us as artists or human beings were just a commodity or a can of Coke or a can of Pepsi were expendable. And, you know, once I understood that, I just didn't take it personally and just, you know, pledged that, hey, I'll never be in that position again. And yeah, you don't, you don't know, like you said, you don't, you, you know, it's cold one minute and it's on. I don't think anyone knows. And so right. since no one knows, the best thing is be true to you. Be you because there's only one you in the world. Right. You know, there's not two, there's one. I think right. once you get to know that you, that it is, is very powerful. And then to be in the music business, you just have to stay the course of you. Absolutely. I mean, you have to just, and you stick the landing. If you believe in it, if one person believes in it, more people will believe in it. You know, mm-hmm. it's, I, I, I mean, I've seen it so many times in, in just being in the business for 30 years was, you know, it's like, you see an artist, they're like, they try things. They, they'd be like, okay, today I want to sound like so-and-so today. I want to sound like so-and-so. And then the next record cycle, they, they go and they keep chasing it their whole life. They never just, they're never comfortable in their own, in, in their own being enough to just make a, an honest record. Honest and they're, afraid to, they're afraid to fail. Yeah. I mean, I think being an artist, it's like, we kind of have a duty. I mean, look at, I look at like the pandemic and what's happened. I think most of the people that I actually see flourishing um, just on a, a spiritual and a visceral level are artists. Man, artists are really finding their way because I think, you know, we've all are so accustomed to having hardships, maybe not having enough money, not right. having a place to stay, getting evicted that the pandemic came and the artists are like, oh, okay, yeah, we can do this. I mean, it's probably the most creative time that I've had is this pandemic, man. I mean, I was working on a record now. It's just like really the most interesting and creative time that I've ever had. And just hustling, trying to um, make ends meet and doing it and finding right. other avenues. Sure, there was touring, making all this money during touring, finding other avenues to uh, make things happen. And I think I'm really seeing the artist community, especially in Oakland, thrive and flourish. So t- tell me about Storefront Records because um, I, you guys just launched that and, it, it, and it's an actual storefront, which is, which is great. You're, you're investing in brick and mortar, which I, my, my dad grew up in a guitar. I grew up in a guitar shop. I love brick and mortar. We need it. You can't just do it online, you know? No, you can't, you gotta, you gotta. And that's kind of, I grew up in a storefront too. My dad had a restaurant. So that's right. I was in the front. We lived in the back. So I grew up um, similar to you, small business, storefront. Um, in West Oakland, the first place I got when I was on my own, I lived in a, I lived in a storefront. Other kids were getting apartments, but I thought, you know what? 
I want to be creative and make music. So I live. Right. Storefront. This is a storefront. I think I love that idea, as you said, because it seems like something that's in the past. Everyone buys everything off Amazon. Yeah. I love going into a real store. I love talking to real people. Right. That's I love that experience. And um, that's why I was I started this being a busker. Right. I loved playing for strangers and yeah. then making the connection with the stranger because really I was helping my midlife crisis. Right. It was helping what I was going through. I was connecting with people. So with Storefront Records, I just thought, you know what? We're in the pandemic. What am I going to do? You know, what are, one a third grammy, I'm like, what am I going to do? You know what? I'm going to start a label so that other people can have this experience. People that felt maybe marginalized and left out or they weren't cool enough for the music business or they right. were told no, but they had a tremendous amount of talent and drive. And, and I, I said, I, that's what I want to do. I want to I want to kind of, maybe this is my last record I'm making right now. I don't, I don't know. Right. I'm thinking about, I want to put that energy into other people's records. You know, I'm uh, started just working with people, people in, the community, some really big people, small people, whatever. Just yeah. really putting out records that I love. Picking yeah. up that's what that's what I want to do, man. I really want to be part of um that movement. You know what I want? I really want to be part of part of that 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 lifestyle of like, you know, you're living for art. Right. You're living because you believe in the art, man. Hell, you're ready to die for it. You'd rather live for it, but this is something that you believe in. I look at storefront records, not a traditional record company. I'm not looking for anything. I, people are like, what are you looking for? I'm like, I'm not looking for anything, actually. Yeah, right. What I'm doing is I'm just like letting it happen. Right. I just want it to just happen. Whatever it is, let it happen. Let it be real. Let it be authentic, man. Hey, let it be a band for a change. Where are the bands at? <laughs> yeah. Bands, you know, so I'm working like even today, I'm working with a country singer. Her name is. Miko Marks, amazing voice, oh, amazing. I'm putting her on um, one of, probably my next release, we're doing this um, incredible song, man. It's about the California fires. Right. And, um, but I want to just do stuff like that. I did, me and Sting cut something. I'm nice. Saying, I'm like, come on up here and cut this. And, man, I'll be right there. And I'm like, cool. Um, and then there's like a, there's a band of like three kids down the street. And I'm just like, you guys sound good. You know, let's, um, let's do something. You know, E-40, local, you know, rap legend. Right. Me and him are working on something. So I, I want it to be just that. I have fun doing this. Every day, I'm not stuck in one way that it has to be done. You know, in the same week, you know, I want to work with all those people. Obscure kids, someone as famous as Sting, E-40 and some kids. I'm like, that's my life. Those yeah. are the kind of records I want to make. It and that's a testament to your 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 dedication and and your outlook. I mean, like the the fact that you know Sting one day is uh, you know going, hey, you know, I'll, I'll come sing for you, no problem. You know, and, and, and West Oakland, man, you think West Oakland ain't no joke. So hey, much props to Sting, man. He just came, no bodyguard. Him and his him and his manager. So I just met him and. New Mexico, we were just playing. He, I opened for him and he's like, man, I love this set. So I, I had something, I'm like, man, I don't know people. Is this really the Grito? I don't know. I said, this is someone like Sting. So I have this whole idea for this project of like right. artists that are, they're all about 10 years older than me. Right. <laughs> like getting them all on a record like him, Patti Smith, mm -hmm. George Clinton, yeah, Mick Jagger, like all these different people. And it's um, I, I want to call it like dinosaur eggs. <laughs> you know, I tell you, what, one of the craziest gigs I've ever seen in my entire life was it was a George Clinton and P uh, and P Funk. They opened uh, they opened up the House of Blues in Dallas when they first opened. Dan Aykroyd was there. We were the second show, so we had a day off, and they invited us down to come see George Clinton. Yeah, you have me at ho hello. We're sitting in the balcony. And at one point in time, I counted 27 people on stage making music. And within the next 30 to 45 minutes, I counted as few as three. It, it, people would just come and go. 
and come and go. And George would come and go and come and go. And next thing you know, there's a guitar player, bass, and drum. They're doing like a Hendrix tune, no vocals. Next thing you know, there's 28 people. And, and, and I just go, I was like envious. I'm like going, I wish I could operate like this. You know, I, my, it's not in my DNA. You know, I'm like, I plan a show out and, you know, like, okay, here's a set list and my corny jokes. And I'm like, these guys don't have any plan whatsoever. And it just works. It's just this beautiful soup of, of music. And his contribution is just still being felt everywhere, every counter of the, every um, the point in the globe, what he brought to music is just maybe even unprecedented. It's just amazing where he took off where there was you know, James, you know, to Sly, to um, George Clinton, P-Funk, and what they were able to do is just, but the amazing thing, you know, that I learned about um, them is they were like, yeah, man, somebody out of Harvard. They were like a doo-wop group. Did, did you know that? No. They were called the Parliaments. That's why it's Parliament Funk right, Death. Right. Yeah. I just saw this on Netflix or YouTube. They're like, yeah, man, we were, um, you know, we were just a, uh, a doo-wop group. And they showed them doing all this doo-wop. They said, man, you know, these white boys came from Harvard. And they were like, hey, we have this stuff called LSD. Do you guys want to try it? They're like, yeah, let's try it. And that's how they just started going. <laughs> going off on it. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. True story. It's they so simple, it. too. It's like... You know, like one of those things, like you don't realize, like a lot of my, a lot of your favorite musicians are like, this wasn't like this. They didn't write it down. It just happened. Just happened, man. Yeah. You know? Just spontaneity and just um, a little help from LSD. <laughs> a little help from. Hey, so interesting. It's like uh, I was was reading on you, and and like uh, you you grew up in a big family. Yeah, I think you had like fourteen brothers and sisters. You're one of fifteen children. Actually, I'm one of 14. I had 13 brothers. Okay. Um, and so my, my question is like, where, where did the music, you know, your father had a restaurant. Who was the host? Who, who brought you the record and said, hey, check this out? And how, and how did you like get hooked on music? Well, I mean, I grew up in a very orthodox Muslim home you know so there was no music really right I think my dad the first record that I heard that I was like wow and I asked my dad what it was was Louis Louis Armstrong St. Louis Blues right and I just was like this is really interesting you know as a I must have been six because I went to school to talk about it and people just gave me a blank stare what you know, yeah. what is that so I don't think my father you know didn't really allow the popular music, so I grew up with a lot of um, African music, Caribbean music, some classical, jazz. Now, that was just kind of the backdrop. And um, I had to sneak away to get music. So I think the first record besides that that blew my mind, speaking of, was uh, George Clinton. Right. Knee, it was Knee Deep. Right. I remember I heard that and it just, I was like, what the hell? It's this I remember it was a 45 on Casablanca Records. Right. And I was just played not just needy, it was 15 minutes long. That's how long the record was. Right. I'll just play it over and over again. So that got my attention, but then I didn't really start playing any music. I think um, what happens next is years of you know, living in Oakland and um, I was a bit odd. I used to dress really out there and um, you know, you're living in the black neighborhood, you know, that's, they're like, hey man, what's wrong with you? You know, Right, right. <laughs> they didn't say it like that, but I can't say what they said. Right, right. So um, um, I remember one day I saw a Prince's record. Now I didn't really, didn't hear his music, but he, it was an album called Dirty Mind. He's wearing like um, trench coat and like some women's uh, lingerie. Yeah. But he was no, but he was like straight and had girlfriends, and I was like, "Right, this is cool." So I think that kind of got my interest. He was the first person I kind of read about this. Like, okay, this guy—he's a brother. He's different, and I could—that means I could be different too. I've what music I could learn music. So, right, I I started um sneaking into the University of California, 
And I, I was just telling me, I, I, I'm a student, I need to practice. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they knew or they didn't know, but they would just look at me and be like, okay, room 6A, and I'd take the key and then I'd sit there. I didn't know anything, but I just listened to the students and they were just practicing scales. I didn't even know what a scale was. So I was like, I've heard of that. That's do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. Why don't, I, why don't I just keep playing it like that? I kept playing it and um, that was my introduction to music, sneaking That's- into the university. <laughs> that's great i mean you know that's the thing it's like you know it's it's you have to invent it sometimes you know and well there was it, no internet back then no think about that do you think that you do you think the internet is i i have mixed emotions about the internet i i i love the fact that artists can without any political or not 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 in the sense of government but just like you know music business politics or 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 however that game is played can just put their music out and be heard i like that for free i love that that. yes um what i don't like is the fact that everybody can comment on it and and they they sometimes try to uh they they project their own unhappiness on on others you know, oh, and man. if you like something, if they like you or if they like me or whoever, and it'd be like, how, you know, it's like, it's like, if you like that one, you're not, you're not, you're not the one of the cool kids that I don't like, because it's just a form of like bullying, you know, and, and it, and it, and it gives people complexes and makes them second guess themselves. Man, I think David Bowie of all people, I, I love David Bowie. I'm a, he's yeah. a huge influence on me. I think he's just one of the greatest artists of all time. I think he, said it the best. They were asking me about the internet probably in the 90s and he was like, I don't know, man, about this thing. But at, 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 uh, at the beginning of it, he was like, you know what? This is gonna be bad because there's gonna be a lot of truths now. Right. You know, anybody without any um, you know, certificate, degree, knowledge or any um, ability to read and decipher and understand it. They can get online and they can give their opinion. And if right. it gets enough views, it can go vi- and it come viral and become yeah. very, very influential. Influential. So I think there's a very dark side of the internet that's mean, that's nasty, that's negative. Yeah. And I think with something so great, I guess that's what comes along with it. I mean, I it's like uh, everything that's great. It's like I'm, I'm sure fame. Um, you marry somebody incredible. There's a dark side, you know. There's yeah, all, yeah. But that's what I think. I think um, something this revolutionary. We were not going to get get off that easy. There's going to be that dark side. But I loved his the way that he spoke about it. He's like, yeah, you know what? Like this is a cup. Now people will debate whether it's a cup. You know. There'd be a million opinions like, well, this is actually not a cup. What this is, is it's a, uh, you know, it's a spaceship for squirrels. I don't know. Right, right. It's, yeah. A, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a water receptacle, you know? Yeah, I think too many. Yeah, I think that there's, and it is, man. You get online, man. It can be depressing, man. You, depressing, yeah. Sometimes you turn on that internet, you turn on your Twitter feed or whatever, you're like, oh, my gosh. It can, yeah. it can be a drag. So it's just about, it's just what I tell, you know, I have kids, so I got to deal with this. I'm like, hey, right. this is a tool. Right. It's just like a hammer. Mm-hmm. Like, my, like my Afro comb, you know, it's a tool. Right. You know, if I, you know, if I use it for what it's meant, you know, meant to be used for, it, it can do amazing things. And right. it can do horrible things too if I run around stab people. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, I'm not going to do that, by the way. So, on the internet. I, I, rem- I remember when people used to complain about Facebook, like, well, I'm just so sick and tired of seeing pictures of people's lunch. Now right. I go, hey, bring on the lunch. You know? <laughs> bring on the turkey sandwich, man. I'm in. No, it, it, it's, it's much better. It, it, it's a horrible place, man, the internet. I mean, like I said, it has its, its good parts. I mean, you know, I, I use the internet to, you know, create my art and to be heard and I, I appreciate when other people can use it for that too, but yeah, it, it is a dark side to it that's terrible, man. And look what's happened to news. Remember when news was boring? Right. You know, there was a 
a storm in Texas. There's a car crash on Main Street. Right. It's just facts. Right. Now, with the internet, it's like, it's, it's all just, it's a people's opinions. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's a slippery slope. Yeah, and, and, and especially in the media business, it's like nobody can agree if, the, if, if it's raining or the sun is shining. You're, you're, you're like, it's like, I'm outside, I'm wet. It's raining. No, it's not. I see the sun. It's poking through the clouds. You're, you're fake news. You're like, oh, okay. I, yeah, I just... That, that whole term is just nuts. All these terms, it's like, you know, we've, um, we have to stop just going to the media, going online to get all of our opinions, to get like what slogan we should say, you know? Right. Or, you know, what our, what our philosophy should be, what our... It's, it's, it's insane, but, you know, it seems to be what... Um, Folks are doing, and I think oh, what I, when I think about that, I go, you know what? I gotta, I'm gonna worry about what this dude's doing because I'm enough to deal with it as long as long as I can do that. You know, I'm content with that. Like, what am I? What am I doing? Right. You know, that's a big thing. You know, you got, I gotta face this guy every day. It's not easy. So how, easy. how did you come up with the the alter ego of a fantastic Negrito? What, what, what was? Because I know, because I know you used to run uh, clubs in oh, L.A. Yeah. And, and you had a few alter egos that you would DJ or stuff like that. Yeah. And and how did you find like how did you finally said okay, now I'm I'm going to be the fantastic Negrito and then and then you know create that persona. Well, um, it's funny. I, you know what I when I first let me say this about fantastic Negrito. What I thought about it, the first time I thought about what it meant to me, I thought. I remember I went through this phase where all I was listening to was just Mississippi Delta. Right. All I was listening to, man, and I still listen to it, but I mean, there was a phase that I was just obsessed with it. Yeah. What I thought was, I thought a lot of things, man. It's like, as a, I got to speak as an African-American now. <laughs> I, I felt like, um, you know what? Um, I don't know if we know what we have contributed to the world musically. And I thought to myself, if we knew as a community, like what our contribution has been musically and culturally, maybe it would help us get over a lot of the obstacles and the challenges that we face. And so I thought, man, this music, man, Charlie, Pat, Skip, yep. James, Robert Johnson, Mississippi, Fred McDowell, oh my God, Rosetta Thorpe, just all these geniuses, man. You know, Chuck Berry, I thought, you know what? I'm gonna become Fantastic Negrito so that every time, and anytime someone asks me about that name, I get to say those names. Right. And that's really what it, what it was it about for me. Nothing about me, there's nothing fantastic about me, but it just was, I feel, um, you know, just living, you know, here in Oakland, California, just seeing the things I've seen and just growing up in this, you know, this country, the way I've grown up in this country. It's just that I don't, from the community that I'm from, I don't, we're not informed really about our roots. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We're not really informed about, you know, our, our contribution in the world. And I think that can make a person feel great. Yeah. Or can make a person feel like crap and feel useless. And when people feel bad, I don't care what color they are, they're gonna make bad choices, yeah, decisions. So that's where it all came from. I guess me having kids, like feeling like, hey, this isn't about me. I've got these little kids, you know, these are, um, I'm raising little black kids. I got, what am I doing? You know, I see these, my dad would, my dad sat me down and said, son, I don't know why he was doing it. He said, when the police stop you, he had an accent, he was Caribbean, African. Mm -hmm. When the policeman stop you, you say, yes, sir. You say, no, sir, the policeman can blow your head off. I remember hearing that over and over again. Like, but then I realized my dad was born in 1905. Wow. And that, yeah, but my mom was 32 years younger. So wow. uh, yeah, that was pretty wild. So I just think about what he experienced probably as a black man. So he was trying to give me tools so that when I, I 
come across these situations, I had tools to work with. And so yeah. that's all I'm trying to do for my kids. I know they're going to have to grow up in a world that's challenging. And you need tools to right. navigate through this terrain. If you don't have the tools, you're going to be in trouble because yeah, you're, you're, not know, you're not going to know what to do when you're faced with authority or you're facing, you won't have the tools to deal with it and it can go very bad. And in and, and saying that, I'm not, it's not an indictment of people. I just want you to know that what it is, is my experience. Right. And so I want to take my experiences and let them be heard and let them be useful and let it be positive right. so that we can navigate through the world because let's face it, Joe, we all have challenges. Yeah. yeah. And they're all different. Your challenges are different from mine. Yeah. You know, her challenges are different from yours. And that's how it is. And I think understanding that talking to each other, not screaming, not shouting, shouting each other down. Right. Not like, hey man, this is my entrenched ideology and like, forget everything you're saying. I won't listen, nothing, just, we ain't gonna get nowhere. No. Nope. We're gonna get nowhere. We're gonna go on, we're just going in circles. So to answer your question, like that name came to me out of being able to do something very positive, acknowledge those people who are I think are the greats and are the founders of so much popular music and culture. And maybe it helps the community that I'm from that some kid may go look that up and go, damn, wow, this is, yeah. this is art. This is expression. This is, I mean, I look at, I always call Robert Johnson. When I look at his lyrics, I go, man, that was the first gangster rapper right there. Right. I mean, yeah. he was a cold dude, man, you know? And I think all this, you know, one thing in the blues, the storytelling, the mm -hmm. music, you know, the, feeling i mean that's what it is and and um having you know being a descendant of that tradition is music that we all play we all we all play it it's like it's just my personal acknowledgement and i i i think of i thought of him as like a superhero that plays in the train stations ah i'm fantastic negrito i'm playing a song to make the world better right. if you've had a bad day you know you've, your life is challenging maybe i can help Right. And it's a manifest destiny. You believe in it, you know, and one of the things that you, what you're doing is you're, you're, you're the host for other people that would have never discovered Charlie Patton and Skip James and Robert Johnson if it wasn't for your records. Because, you know, it, it's a generate, you pass the message on from generation to generation. B.B. King used to say that every time I would see him, he'd be like, Joe, just keep doing what you're doing and keep the music alive because what it, what it does is it passes the music and the message and the positivity and this yeah. thing that he loves so deep, deeply to another generation. That, that was He'd be so happy to see where blues and this music has gone. You know, now um, we're almost, you know, he lost him 10, almost seven years ago. And, and he just, his whole mantra was like, just keep paying it forward. Pay it for. Yeah, I believe that, man. That's um, you know, I always when I call that, I say living for other people. I mean, I remember right. when I was younger, I used to live for myself, and I became older, it's like living for others, and I became happier. Yeah. You know, paying, okay. I paying it for it. I be I become a better person. So it's um, it's a gift. This music, right? It's a gift. I'm I'm uh, it's funny talking about like paying it for it. My what I've discovered. This crazy story about my family on Ancestry.com. Yeah. And um, that's what I'm, I'm writing written my new record about, which is going to be like kind of a film. It's kind of a cross between Beyonce's Lemonade and Hamilton's. <laughs> okay. Like a series of videos and narratives and like a play. It's um, quite extraordinary, man. I found um, going through all the records in my family, I can just tell you briefly. I kept finding on my mother's side, free African-Americans. And I was like, free? In Virginia, during, right. during the time of slavery. And I found the fifth, third generation was free. Fourth generation was free. Fifth generation was free. Sixth generation was free. And I'm like, we're in the 1700s. Right. What the hell's going on? Right. And I found this incredible story of my Scottish white grandmother. Right. I found a court document of her being presented and charged in a court 
in Virginia for unlawfully cohabitating with a slave belonging to Mr. Jones. And I'm like, this union, I don't know how they did it. He used to go off when um, it was time to go to sleep and come back before. Right. Sunset. But it's a true story. Wow. A true story. And that's started, um, you know, six. her kids were free because she was a white woman free. I mean, right. I it was, uh, it blew my mind. So I wrote, it's a love story. But like, how do we approach hate? Yeah. How do we approach prejudice and racism and all these things, these white supremacy, all these words, babies. How, how did my white grandmother approach white supremacy? <laughs> you know what she did? She fell in love. Right. She fell in love in, in the 1700s. And so this whole, this next album, that's what I'm writing about. It's like, it's a love story, man. Love conquers. It does. And, oh. and, and, and hist you know, history shows us that that's what it does, you know? music and love and and a positive message it, it brings people together you know yeah man it's it's just um it's incredible man you know stories you know i love stories so yeah it's it's a positive true story and it's it'll be useful to other people and man the more positive messages you put out man it's just man it just feels good and you know you're doing something for for other people and I, I live for it, man. But at the same time, you know, I try to keep the irreverent spirit that I have in the <laughs> making the records. In my heart, I'm just a punk rocker or something. Right. You know, I love that. And so was Muddy Waters. To me, no, I always say nobody's more punk rock than Muddy Waters. And it, they just, it's a spirit, man, you know? It's the delivery of the lyric. It yeah. was, it's that snarl and intent and Johnny Rodden had it. Muddy oh, Waters had it. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, uh, Absolutely. it's, it's, they, they could read the phone book and it sounds angry and, and, and important, you know? All delivery and music is feeling. Right. Spirituality, man. When we, I don't really know much. I always tell people, I don't know much about music. I know a lot about feelings, not much about music. So before we wrap up, just tell me about, I'm so intrigued, you know, you know, you're, you're into this, you're, you're, you're really seriously into this urban farming. And I, and I, I just love the idea. I mean, like his, you know, you'll post pictures of like, like, like check out my seeds. This is, you know, and, and you, you have, you have, you have this whole setup and, and you do it in Oakland, which not a lot of people go, you have a farm in Oakland. That's oh, yeah. Oh yeah, man. I love urban farming. I've been doing it for 15 years, man. You know, it's uh, changed my life, man. Just my mental health, you know, you and you're impacting the environment and it's good for kids. Mm -hmm. Nothing like bringing kids from the city onto the farm. And it's not new. I'm not doing anything new, but I had the space to do it. Yeah. I could build some cool lawn and bushes and shrubbery, or I could have a farm and get a, a chicken coop and start uh, doing some urban farming and, you know, grow some of the stuff that you have to eat. Right. Something. So that's the most revolutionary thing you can do. I mean, you know, yeah. people want to be revolutionary, man, grow something. Right. That's it. And, and um, I call my farm Revolution Plantation. Yeah. I got that from my, my grandmother. She was always telling me like, you know, as a, we were always independent people, you know, we didn't have to ask for anything. And um, we had farms and I always listened to that message from my, from my grandmother's to be independent and make things happen. You have, you could take nothing and turn it into something, you know? Yeah. When, you're, when you're watching plants, you're learning about people because plants are just like people. Hey, if you give them water, if you give them light, love and attention, they will produce, they will provide for you. If you neglect them, don't give them love, don't give them light, don't give them water, they'll do nothing for you. Right. They'll produce nothing for you. I always, whenever I'm on the farm, that's how I view plants. I like it's just like people. So treat plants with dignity and love and care and treat people the same way. It's that's a that's a great analogy, you know, and I, I 
remember my ex-girlfriend, she lived her whole life in Australia. And when she came to LA for the first time, we went to the market, we went to Gelson's, which is down the street. Oh yeah, I know Gelson's. And, and um, she, we were in the produce section and I could just see this blank stare on her face. And she goes, is that a tomato? I'm like, yeah. She's like, why is it so big? Right, right. And, and I started doing some research and I'm like, you know, a tomato should not be the size of a grapefruit. Not at all. And a grapefruit shouldn't be the same size as a basketball. And, and you start reading into all the crap and the chemicals that they, they, they put into the, to, to the, to the growing cycle of these, these plants. And, you know, there's, there's a reason why they can plant stuff now and no bugs will go, will go towards the plants because even the, even the bugs don't want to deal with the bugs don't want to get high. <laughs> exactly. And, and it made me really think of like, like, like over the course of a lifetime, it's like, it's like, it's like, you don't realize you think you're eating healthy, but you're, you're, you're actually eating a lot of unnecessary and, and carcinogenic things yeah. that will kill you Absolutely. down the line. Absolutely. And that's one of the benefits of, um, of trying to grow as much as you can. I can't do it all because I have to be a musician, be right, a fantastic right. but and we're able to grow a lot of um, veggies and greens. You know, we don't even buy any greens. So right. it's, pretty, it's pretty cool. We don't buy any eggs. It's, it's good, man. Yeah. And then, you know, teaching kids how to, um, how to compost, you know, how to not how to not to waste, you know what right. I mean? And how to work. You get yeah. up, work, you take care of other living animals because they provide for you. Take care of chickens, clean their coop. It's a great thing to teach kids. And one of the, the programs that we have, Revolution Plantation is helping. Man, getting kids at five, mm-hmm. six, man, come on. Parents, bring your kids, hang out on the farm, man. Do some work, plant some seeds, get bask in the amazing spiritual glow of nature, of green, of sun, of air, man. This makes people better. It, it you know, people grow up less hostile. You yeah. know what I mean? And 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 more disciplined. And and be like, hey, let's. I, I'm, more I gotta take care of some stuff. I have responsibilities to take. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I, I love. I love that part of it. And just building and creating. I mean, we like build fences out of out of pallets, wood pallets. And we have a stage there that's all made of pallets and um, you know, recycled wood and upcycled stuff. It's amazing, man. You got take the logs and making tables out of logs. And it's right. just, it's, it, it's amazing like that the, the discipline and the sense of uh, pride, sense right. of working with your hands. And yeah. the sense that, yeah, if you're on a farm, man, you know, we need electricians, we need plumbers. We need mm-hmm. painters. We need people that can do construction. All these skills that you can learn on a farm. So it's a, it's a it's a beautiful environment to, to live in. And let's not even talk about the mental health aspects of just putting your hands in that dirt. Staying off your phone. Yeah, no living phone. Off, li- living out there, man. I I honestly, I'm just so through. I'm honored that you're here, man. And, and, and to be honest with you, it's like, it's you seriously, one of my favorite, favorite artists out there. And, and, and I just learned today, I know this will air after we do it, but um, I'm going to see you in, in New York city at the, the, the love, the love rock thing. Which I'm, which, I heard that too. So are we, are we doing a song together or what? I gotta, we gotta ask Will. I'd be like, yeah, man, let's go. But just, 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 just walk up and sing, man. We're like, it's, it's easy. I'm, I'm easy. Like anything I don't have to but uh, congratulations on all the success. Congratulations on the Grammy Awards. Well-deserved. Really, to me, changed, changed the trajectory of blues in such a great, positive way and, and moving it forward, you know? Just the... Just I appreciate everything. that, man. Coming from you, I appreciate that. And I'm um, honored to be here. And I learned a few things about you. And that, that makes me dig you even more. Well, thank you. I'm I'm not the guy in the suit. This is what I, if, if you see me if you see me at the beak and you like you'd be like that's not just that's this actually me. The, the guy in the suit comes out once a night and then I put him back. Yeah, so <laughs> it's 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 very it's uh, almost similar to the coming up with like an alter ego. Oh, it, I, it, I, I have I ha- there's showbiz Joe, 
that yeah. on at eight o'clock. That's the guy in the suit. That's that's the thing. But I love it. No, I, you gotta do it. You gotta do it. You gotta do it. It's showman's. But but the other thing is for me, I'd be I'd look like the biggest douchebag if I just drove around, went to the market in a in a in a, in a ill-fitting Sears activewear suit and sunglasses. You'd be like, who is this guy? Hey man, the way I look at it, two people. <laughs> Man, I'll be in my overalls and my boots, you know, far right. more. Man, aren't you fantastic? I'll be like this. Not now, I'm not. Not now. <laughs> you see that dude on stage? I'm all yours, but not now, man. I'm enjoying life. I may go fishing later, you know? Yeah. I, the other guy comes out at 8 o'clock. Yeah, you got to take that off, man. Otherwise, man, this business will kill you. Thanks for being here. Ladies and gentlemen, the great... Fantastic, Negrito. What an honor it's been to have this conversation. Tune in next time for another exciting guest. I don't even know who it's going to be. It's all random now. But I, I used to, I used to know who's coming up next. But, but uh, we're we're a few few weeks out. But thank you for joining us. This has been live from Nerdville.